0: As you're, as you're making your way back to your seats, I just want to kind of give you an announcement, a little bit of an announcement. I received this week a statement from our national office that indicated to us what, what our church had done as, as we had given toward missions in 2018. And for those of you that when you come into our church, you see our, there's a, a board that Pastor Marcus painted of from Grace Assembly throughout the world where our Our energies and our finances and support goes to missionaries around the world. And last year, Grace Assembly gave $119,091 to missionaries around the world and home and abroad. You need to give yourself a round of applause for that. And I bring that up for this. This this past fall in September, the end of September has traditionally been when we've had our missions convention time and we've taken our faith promises. This past fall, we were in the middle of a capital campaign, so, so we did not have our missions emphasis week. We're going to be having that again in September. But the questions that have come is there's been a number of people saying, Hey, I filled out this faith promise and I've been giving this amount for over a year now and just kind of wondering what's going on. Here's what we're asking you to do. If you could continue to give that amount, we we continue to add more missionaries that we support on a regular basis because what you are giving is more than enough for us to cover what we've got, so we're able to add new missions, new missionaries, and new uh, projects that we've been able to add because of your gifts. And so, and for those of you that may have started attending our church in the last year and a half, which has been a lot of you, uh, and, and maybe even had no idea that faith promises uh, is money that's above and beyond your tithe that you give. When you go online or whether you're giving it in an envelope, it, it states on their faith promises. That, that's how we support our missionaries. And I just want you to be aware of that, and we're certainly thankful for your support. I believe with all of my heart that the ministries of this church need to reach beyond the walls of this church, that we need to have not only a city influence, but a state influence, a national influence, and an international influence. And for those of you who faithfully give every soul that those missionaries are winning to Christ, you get credit for because you participated in the great commission and giving. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention today. This morning, I want to continue on in a series that I began three weeks ago called Empowered. We're we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit these last three weeks. And today, I want to speak to you specifically about being empowered to pray. Now, we have already been in a Pentecostal setting today. If we were waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to show up, then for those of you that came in late, woo, you've you've missed. He's he's been here and he has been at work already. In fact, I was thinking if I can't preach in this atmosphere, you guys have the wrong preacher. Because I mean, it's like I have been plugged in. A few weeks ago, Pastor Mark and Mel stood here and announced that God was beginning to redirect their lives in some other ministry. As a result of that, it it started me on a pathway of of having some calls and interviews with people that would be prospective uh, staff members, pastoral staff members, and I asked each of them a question, and I've had probably 11 conversations, and I asked each of them, can you explain to me a, a little bit about what your Pentecostal experiences have been like? And it was interesting to me because without exception to this point, each of them explained that they were either baptized in the Holy Spirit at a kid's camp or at a youth camp or they went away from church to some retreat when they were baptized. Some of them talk about experiences they had at youth conventions or or national conventions. But each of them can remember that experience where they were clothed in power and clothed in power from on high, as we talked about last week, being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And it was that something that took place outside of their local church. In fact, I had a conversation with an evangelist that was asking if he could come and I just was talking to him about some of the specialties of his ministry. He goes, I'm, I specialize in leading people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and as I was sharing last Sunday night when a group of us had gathered together for a prayer meeting, I said, what I have come to discover is that for the most part, the local church has relegated inadvertently... The baptism of the Holy Spirit or seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit to special events outside of our local services. We have allowed us to get to the place where we say, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you need to go to a treat or you need to go to camp or you need to go to convention. And, and I believe we have done the Church of Jesus Christ a disservice by talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit being an essential quality that is necessary in our lives after we have come to know the Lord and not allowing the local church to experience that or have opportunity for that on a regular basis. In fact, we have got to the point where we have deemed the Holy Spirit to be a special thing that needs a special place. And so what I ask for them to do today is to set up a couple of tables for me or a couple of place settings Because this began to dawn on me this week as I I was trying to figure out how can I bring what I believe the Scripture indicates to us to be a a normal experience away from special events and back into the local church. And I I noticed that this past month we've seen a lot of girls that are sending out lists, they're getting married, they they have little lists of places that you can go on, and they collect china. In fact, I've been to some of your houses, and as I walk into your houses, you have these beautiful china cabinets, and inside the china cabinets, you will turn on a light at the top of the china cabinet that makes all these dishes shine. In fact, you spend a lot of time cleaning the glass of the china cabinet to keep the fingerprints off of it so that everybody can look at the dishes you never use. They're beautiful. And so when we come to your house, if you break out the good china, you know it's an event. And generally the kids are not allowed to use it. They have another table set up in another place. And it might have candles. It may have flowers. It may have special where to drink from. And it it looks so good. But this is the china. We look at it. We don't actually use it. And it dawned on me this week that this is what we have done in the church as it relates to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We come in and we say, we are a Pentecostal church. Look at our China cabinet. Here's the power of God. It's the good stuff. We don't break it out unless we need it. And we don't rarely need it. We we need it to be seen. We want it to look good. Get your fingers off the glass. You're going to bother God. And if by chance we have occasions where we break out the Holy Spirit for an everyday wear, it's kids, run. You can't touch it. I want to change your opinion about that because I believe with all of my heart that we need to have the Holy Spirit as our everyday wear. God has told us that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is an essential for us to be able to live in power in this world. And so I would like to change your thinking to the Holy Spirit is the coffee mug that you grab when your pajamas don't match. And you come sleepily walking into the kitchen and you open the cupboard and you reach in. And if your normal cup is not there, it's in the sink because you didn't wash it last night. And so you reach over in the sink and you just turn the faucet off and you rinse it out because you're just going to put coffee back in it anyway. And you stick it in the Keurig and it fills up. And it dawned on me this week, I have a hard time studying unless I'm holding my coffee cup. And this is my coffee cup from church. Sadly, I don't wash it very often. And it's got a great aroma. Great aroma. And occasionally, if it sits in there too long, it will have a ring of cream around it. That to clean it, I just run my finger around in there. and throw the thing back in. The Holy Spirit is the one cereal bowl that you just reach in and you grab and you throw it on the table and you fill it up and you just... The Holy Spirit wants to be our everyday stuff. He has said to us, that there is a power available to us, but we must not relegate the power of the Holy Spirit to special events and to be China when He wants to be the everyday coffee cup that we walk around and we hold and we refill it all the time throughout the day. And if it gets cold, you throw it out and you reheat it again. That's what He says to us, that there is a power that comes to us that is fresh and we need to be renewed day by day by day by day with the full power of the living God. Because we are going to be a people of the Spirit and because we are pursuing to have the power of God, there will be things that take place in services as today that may seem unusual. But let me just tell you, I'm so glad I serve a God that we cannot stuff into a box. I'm glad that I serve a supernatural God who works within us in our own personalities. There may be times that you will be here and you will hear somebody cry out or, or holler or scream and, and you know, instantly it begins to draw attention, like what's going on over there? Let me tell you something. You have no idea what people have been through throughout the week. You do not know the bondages that they have been held in. You do not know the victories that God has brought them through. And in the middle of singing a song, that freedom comes upon them. And they begin to shout in joy. And it might seem strange to you, but it's a shout of victory to them. Because the power of the Holy Spirit has been at work. And he's delivering and he's setting free. That's what the church should be like. A place where we can shout in joy. At what the power of the living God is accomplishing within our lives. And so give each other some grace and give each other some mercy. There may be things that are taking place and you're going, that just seems strange to me. Well, let me tell you something. As I read the Bible, there were a lot of strange things that happened when the power of the Holy Spirit began to be at work within people's lives. And if you have Bibles, I'd like you to turn if you would. I want to very quickly give you some points today to hang on to. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 32 and 33. It says, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Some of you are saying, now, can you explain that to me, how you just said, on one hand, that there may be interruptions to what is normal, and on the other side of that, that our God is a God of order. I'm going to spend some time next week going through what does an orderly church look like when the power of the Holy Spirit is at work. But I do want you to understand that I want to remove the fear from you. I had a woman after the first service that told me this. She says, you know, there was one thing that you said that just made me have peace, and that was this, that when the Holy Spirit is at work within my life, he's not going to make me do something to embarrass myself that there is a control that we have. We control how we respond to the Spirit, how we react to the things of the Spirit and what He's doing within our life. We control that. It's not like He's going to hit you upside the head with a brick and make you do something that is totally out of character for you because He's a gentleman. But there are ways and there are power that is available to us to empower the way that we pray that we need to have because we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The first one, if you're looking at your bulletin, there are five things listed there. The first one is the power to be an intercessor. The word intercessor means to plead or advocate on behalf of another. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for us when we are praying in our prayer language, when we are praying as the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. He uses our lips and our voice to pray accurately and powerfully and effectively to a God about a situation that is of great importance to us. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the Scripture declares this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many of you have experienced weakness this week? You've come across a situation that you knew you did not have the power or the wisdom or the knowledge to handle on your own. This is why being baptized in the Holy Spirit is the familiar coffee cup. And I'm going to hold this because it smells so good. Because in those moments of weakness, we grab for something that is comfortable to us. We grab for that which is familiar, and the Holy Spirit says, that is me. I help you in your weakness. I grab and come come alongside of you, And, and in that it says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot be expressed. So what is the scripture telling us here? First of all, our prayers need help. Our prayers need help. Often we don't know what to pray for. There are some situations that are so complicated that we don't even know where to begin in them. But the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses and intercedes through us, through a heavenly language that connects directly with Him. Second of all, the Scripture indicates to us that our prayers lack accuracy without the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't know how to pray. There have been moments and times when we have been awakened in the middle of the night and we feel burdened with something and we don't know what it is. We just know that I'm wide awake at a time that I wouldn't be. So, God, what is it you want me to pray for? And you don't know. You just know you're awake. And so it's in those moments you grab a hold of the Holy Spirit and you say, I'm going to begin to pray in my heavenly language because you know exactly what's going on. But I'm going to pray with accuracy because the Spirit is praying through me. And I'm clothed in power to be able to pray in an accurate way. Also, our prayers need expression. Oftentimes, words are not enough. I attended a wedding here a couple of weeks ago that Pastor Mark was leading. And one of the things at weddings that I love to do is I love standing there and looking at the groom when the bride, when the doors open and the bride starts to walk down the aisle. I have had very few occasions where the groom didn't take a deep breath and go, oh. And suddenly there was this moment when I, I can't even describe in words what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling. There are moments where in our prayers, we, we sense things that we don't know how to put into an English language or words that we just can't begin to put into words. And so it's through that praying and the spirit that God begins to allow us to do that. Some of you that have grown up in the church, you may have heard this term. How many of you ever heard the term, I've got to pray through this thing? We just have to pray it through. We, we don't do as much praying through as we need to anymore. But in the praying through aspect of it, it means that somebody says, I need to pray about this thing and pray in the spirit until that burden has been lifted off of me or until I feel a direction from the Lord. I am not giving up. I'm going to pray until I have that direction. And then we begin to feel that heaviness of care and concern as it begins to lift from our shoulders and begins to be put onto the shoulders of our God. And so there's an aspect of prayer and praying in power that comes in intercession when we pray in the Spirit. Secondly, there's an edification. Edification is described or defined as being uplifted, strengthened, or inwardly benefited. This passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and again, next week I'm going to spend some time on this passage, but today I just want to highlight it. There's some specific things that it says. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, for anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God, here's what you need to know. This morning, there was a message in tongues that would have done us absolutely no good had there not been an interpretation from the spirit. It would have been a message in tongues. People would look around and said, "I don't know what that is." When we have that prayer, and, and and again, next week I'm going to talk about the difference between the corporate setting of the working of the Spirit and the private prayer that we have in the working of the Spirit. But in this private prayer, there is something that happens to us when we pray in the Spirit. God begins to build us up on the inside, makes us feel stronger, makes us feel more confident in our walk. But we are speaking to God, and we're not speaking to men. When I speak in tongues, I don't understand what I'm saying, but the Holy Spirit is talking through me directly to the heart of God. 1 Corinthians 14, to it says, indeed, no one understands him, which is the person speaking. He utters mysteries with the Spirit. There is a connection going on between your heart and your life and your spirit and the Spirit of God who lives within you, and there's a pure connection, a pure prayer that no one knows what's happening, but your spirit is touching the heart of God. It says in verse 3, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Occasionally, we will have somebody have a prophetic word in the church. It means they speak out in English and saying, this is what I'm feeling, the impression of the Holy Spirit that wants to give a word to the congregation. In that time, we, we judge it by the scripture, which is what God says to, for us to do. Whether it's myself or somebody else that may be a pastor here that's here, we we will pastor that gift to make sure that it is applicable to our lives. But in that, it must fall into the category of strengthening the body. It must encourage the body. It must comfort the body. If it does not fit into one of those three categories, then we can dismiss it as that was not of the Lord. Because this is what the Scripture says it must do. But when there is a word that edifies and strengthens and comforts, then we can grab onto it with all of our hands and hang on tight because God is speaking something that just might be for you. Verse 4, it says, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the whole church. In other words, in those times when you were praying in the Spirit, just you, it's in your private time, there's an edification that takes place in, in your own heart. But when we speak out in a public setting such as this in a prophetic way, then the church is edified by that. And then Paul goes on to say that I wish every one of you would speak in tongues because he recognized there is something that feeds us on the deep levels of our spirit when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and we speak in our heavenly language on a daily basis. As often as I'm refilling my coffee cup so that it is warmed up again, so Lord, let my prayer life magnify you and build myself up The third aspect of this is the area of confrontation. The Bible declares that we live in a world where we are confronted constantly and challenged by opposing spirits, that we are constantly confronted by the forces of darkness. There are evil spirits that we must confront in prayer. And oftentimes we don't know what to say and we don't know how to approach it, but the spirit does. In fact, I was reading something that was written by a friend of mine, Sammy Rodriguez, who's in charge of the, the Latin uh, Pentecostal movement. And he, he said this, he said in the Old Testament, there were different figureheads that stood up against the people of God that represent spirits that we are facing today. He said, Pharaoh kept, kept the children of Israel in captivity constantly holding them wouldn't let them go until it was absolutely necessary there is a spirit of pharaoh in this world that is keeping god's children in captivity some of you have been locked into this and you've never been able to overcome and you do not know why and i say it's through the power of the holy spirit that we begin to pray against that that the, the spirit of pharaoh would be broken and the church would be set free by the power of the living god there's a spirit of goliath as Goliath stood there and he mocked the children of God and he mocked the church, so today we are seeing this spirit becoming more and more emboldened in our world as, as churches and Christians are, are the subject of being mocked. And I want you to know that in the spirit of Goliath, the church needs to stand up and begin to pray in the spirit that that mocking spirit would be hushed in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. There's the spirit of Jezebel That continues to make men and women hide in the caves of sexual perversion. And we must pray in the spirit that men and women would be set free from that. And stand in the freedom of a delivering God who comes bearing great gifts. There's the spirit of Absalom. Who Absalom stood against his father and tried to take his kingdom and divided his home. We are seeing it all around us today that there is a spirit of Absalom that is seeking to destroy our marriages and seeking to destroy families and tear families apart. And I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, we must pray against the spirit of Absalom that seeks to destroy our homes. We are seeing the rapidly growing strength of the spirit of Herod that kills the young through abortion and violence, and poverty, and the church, it's time for us to stand up and take the coffee cup of the Holy Spirit out of the cupboard and begin to refill that and pray that we can come against the spirit of Herod that would destroy the unborn and destroy our children. The church must pray in the power of Almighty God. But here's what I would tell you. There is a spirit that is more powerful than all of these combined forces, and in the midst of moral relativism and cultural decadence and spiritual apathy, the most powerful spirit in the universe is the spirit of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, who says that you can be baptized in that power and live in that power as a daily walk as the coffee cup of your life. He fills it again and again. In fact, it tells us in Zechariah 4:6, it's not by might. It's not by power, but it is by the Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Listen, Jesus didn't tell us that a good Sunday was coming and being touched by the Spirit. He didn't tell us that a good Sunday was just to be motivated or excited by the Holy Spirit. He commanded us as His church that we be filled with the Spirit and then walk in the power of what He has filled us with. Because the Spirit of God empowers us to live in freedom equips us to live in security, enriches our lives with supernatural, sustained holiness. And for those of you that have fallen into the same pothole of sin again and again and again, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you so that the holiness of God can rise up within you and he can teach you to walk in new trails and new paths and you can be victorious. The scripture tells us in Ephesians Chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he tells us that there's something that we must do. He says, you put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so clearly there is this challenge to each of us that there is something that we must do in preparation. Nobody is going to wake you up in the morning and put on the armor of God for you. You must do that yourself. And he says, and if you want to be... a a soldier in the army of God that sees victory, then you must prepare yourself. And much like a gladiator would have worn, you wear the helmet and the breastplate and the belt and the shoes and the shin guards and the sword and the shield. And then after doing all of that, we get to verse 18. And I want you to notice this. Underline it in your Bible, if you would, please. And after doing all of that, and then pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. That does not sound like a China cabinet God to me. That sounds like my coffee cup time God to me, who says, you grab a hold of me and you refill me and I want you to pray in the Spirit on every occasion. There's nothing too little or nothing too special that the Holy Spirit cannot give us help with. On all occasions you pray, and then he says this, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Again, there's the accuracy. I don't know how to pray about this, God. Then you pray in the Spirit because I will pray accurately with all kinds of prayers and requests. So clearly we begin to understand that being baptized in the Holy Spirit gives us an offensive weapon so that we don't have to just stand there and take it. But in the Spirit of the living God, we can stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have been given direction by God, and I know how I will walk, and I know what I will say, and I will not be defeated because God is greater that lives within me. I think one of the greatest illustrations of spiritual warfare probably takes place when you're on vacation. How many of you love the beach? On a day like today, I thought I would see unanimous hands. <laughs> Cindy and I love the beach. And there's something about getting out in that ocean water and you begin, to, you see the waves coming and you see a wave and you put one foot forward and you kind of get yourself ready for it. And it hits you, boom, and it explodes. And you turn around and you laugh and you don't know there's a million other waves right behind it. That's the way the enemy works in attacking our lives. There needs to be this daily preparation of I am going to be prepared for every wave that you send. And the enemy will not push me back because waves, if you give in to them, will keep shoving you back to the places you've come from before or you get caught in an undertow and it will take you under. And some of you have been living in a place where you've been shoved back and shoved back and you've made no progress. Some of you are underwater today, but I'm going to declare to you today there is a way for you to see victory. There is a way for you to see victory because having been baptized in the Holy Spirit, what begins to happen to you is God gives you a sail and he begins to blow with his breath and he begins to lift you above the waves and all of the difficulties of of those waves, he begins to send you over because of the breath of the Spirit that gives you wisdom and how to deal with it. And gradually you make it out into the deep because the Spirit of the Lord leads you. So praying in the Spirit helps push against the current It creates a counter current. It releases a new wave within you that's headed in the opposite direction of the world. God begins to push against the darkness through you, and the Holy Spirit is released like the blowing of a new wind that fills your sail and gives you a way to float in a spiritual life over that which the enemy desires to destroy you in. And that brings us to fortification. Fortification means that you make something stronger by rooting it deeply into a relationship with something or someone else. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are connected and established in a relationship with Christ. And here's the way that's described for us in Jude, verses 20 and 21. But you, dear friends, again, this is something I want you to underline in your Bibles. But you, dear friends, build yourself up. Build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus to bring you into eternal life. There is an action that you must take. The Holy Spirit is not just going to come and chase you down. The Holy Spirit says there's an action that we take in obedience, that we've got to build ourselves up. I've got to put myself into an environment where the Holy Spirit can do something in me. I've got to yield myself to what the Holy Spirit wants of me. And so I'm going to build myself up by placing myself in the environment that the Spirit could speak into my life and do great things in me. And as he begins to do that, we recognize that the Holy Spirit, first of all, will establish us in God's love. For all of you who ever deal with the issues of I don't feel loved, then you need to pray in the Spirit because he will establish you in the love of God. He also will remind us of what is true. Some of you are are in situations where there's so much that you want to say to somebody else, but you know they would not receive it from you. But you cannot run from the whisper of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God addresses us through the Word and addresses us as we watch others' lifestyles and addresses us in behavior and will lead us to do things in a right way that somebody else, if they had pointed it out, we would have rejected it. But the Spirit of God leads us into that truth. And he reminds us of that. It says in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Praying in the spirit affirms and confirms and unlocks truths of the scripture to us. And then the Holy Spirit strengthens us in our faith. As we pray in the spirit, your capacity to believe grows. Your capacity to understand what scripture means and what God wants you to do begins to grow in that. And so I ask that you would devote more time this week as you begin to say, Lord Jesus, what do you want of me? And lastly, and again next week I will address this a little bit more, but there's there's divine revelation that comes as we pray in the Spirit. I'd like the worship team to prepare themselves as I tell you the story. Last week I I gave you a quick highlight of a testimony of a man by the name of Johannes that was saved out of a terrible lifestyle and life and God baptized him in the Holy Spirit and told him that he was going to be used. And one day as he was standing on a, on a platform in a train, he came in contact with a man by the name of Basher who was from Iraq originally but had moved into Sweden for a job. They began to strike up a conversation and in this conversation he had asked him, have you ever heard of Jesus? And he had not. And he begins to explain to him who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And it didn't take very long before Basher said, I, I want to know that kind of a God that would come giving give his life for me. And he received Jesus as his Savior and shortly thereafter he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And every day Basher grew within his faith. He had moved his family out of Iraq and into Syria for their protection. One day he called his wife and she and the kids were there and his wife said, things are growing so dangerous here in Syria that i need us to leave and go back home i would rather be back in iraq even though i know it's dangerous there at least it's around people that i know and it's familiar i I, i'm making arrangements to go back and he he pled with her says please please don't do anything until i've had a chance to pray i've discovered that i can pray to god in the spirit about all things and he gives me direction and so he spent two or three days just praying and speaking in tongues and praying in the spirit and asking god for direction and it was on that third morning that he woke up and as he was praying, the Lord specifically told him, do not let your wife and children go back to Iraq. Do not let them go. And he recounts in this story that as he called her, he said, I've I've heard from the Lord. And she says, I haven't heard from you in three days, so I've already made arrangements. We, I've already got a ride. We, we're going back home. We're going to... Get the same apartment we had before at least I'm going to be surrounded by people I know and he said the spirit of the Lord struck inside of him and said do not let her go and he told her I have been praying about this and I feel a direction from God that he does not want you to go and he says please, please, please don't go if it means anything to you I command you do not go he had never spoken to her this way in her life she says I have made all the arrangements, but because you feel so strongly about this, I will continue to suffer where I'm at here in Syria. Two days later, the very apartment that she and the children have been moved into was demolished in an explosion. It was through the revolutionary aspect of the Holy Spirit that had preserved Bashir's family, his wife and children. I believe, church, that there is knowledge that God has that we don't, that as we learn to pray in the Spirit, there's revelation that He will give to us. And parents, you need the revelation of God as it relates to how do you raise your children. Church, we need the revelation of the Holy Spirit as it, as it relates to how do we walk and how do we move forward and what God wants us to accomplish. And the Holy Spirit said, this is a power that is available to you as you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin to pray out in your heavenly language. This isn't a China closet thing. It's a coffee cup thing. It's an essential for us to be a Pentecostal church, to walk and move in the power of God, and He's promised it to us. If we would simply allow our fears to be set aside so that the power of God who saved you can fill you with a power from on high.